Hi, brothers and sisters. Today is communion weekend, and you know, it's so wonderful, isn't it, to be reminded that because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we are indeed, O oh Lord God, taken out of the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the Son that He loves. So shall we pray? Father Lord, thank you so much that we are so blessed. We do not belong to the kingdom of darkness, but we belong to the kingdom of light, O oh Lord God in whom there is redemption and forgiveness of sins. So Lord, may this understanding fill our hearts and our minds this morning, even, O oh Lord God, as we welcome you into this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we're going to start uh, reading from Second Thessalonians. Actually, it only has three chapters. I think the most interesting chapter is chapter 2, when you talk about the son of lawlessness. But in the midst of understanding about the son of lawlessness, the Thessalonian church faced a lot of persecutions. And I've chosen to talk about a church under persecution. I know it's not a popular subject, but I thought we would face some realities. Of course, for us in a country like Malaysia, we have it fairly easy. But even then, we do face resistance to our faith. So let me just look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and I'm just going to divide it into three sections. Verse 3 and 4 about this church, the Thessalonian church is a persecuted church. Then from verse 5 to verse 10, God's response to persecution. And then verse 12, 11 and 12, the church response to persecution. So let me read chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Dear brothers and sisters, we can't help but thank God for you because your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. We proudly tell God's other churches about your endurance and faithfulness in all the persecutions and hardships you are suffering. So look at this church. It is a church that's going through hardship, is going through suffering, and is going through persecution. There's no doubt about it. But in the midst of that, they had an increasing love for one another and their faith was flourishing. So here was a church that was under persecution, and yet it had a flourishing faith, a dynamic faith, and a love for one another that was increasing more and more, and a faithfulness in the midst of persecution. One of the things we do not re uh, realize is that the early church was birthed in persecution. In fact, all great revivals throughout the history of the church faced persecution. We all know about the Chinese church that went through severe persecution, and out of that came a powerful Chinese church that really knew God and was able to become the fastest growing church at that time. It is because it lacks persecution now that the faith of the believers there are not as strong as what it used to be. But how do we face persecution? The first thing is that when we think about persecution, we must ask ourselves, why do people persecute Christians? After all, Christians do good works. They actually helped the poor, and in the early church, they were the ones who showed kindness to those who were poor, who were marginalized, who were oppressed. They even, if you go to Rome, you even have catacombs whereby the Christians are known to have gone into the, the streets to pick up the bodies where the poor had nowhere to bury the dead, and they would pick up these bodies and bury it in the catacombs that they had purchased and they had bought. So there was a lot of good that Christians are doing. So why do people persecute Christians? Two reasons. What Jesus says in John chapter 15, he says, Keep in mind, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. But as it is, you do not belong to the world, 
for I've chosen you out of the world. And then he says, even as they persecute me, they will persecute you. So one of the main reasons why Christians will face persecution is that the whole gospel is counterculture. It is totally different from the world philosophy. It's different from the world's opinions. It's different from the way the world wants to live. And so Christians, number one, will face persecution because it is different. Second reason is that in Second uh, Timothy, it says, those who want to live a, live a godly life, they must, they will face persecution. Why does people who want to live a godly life face persecution? Very simple. Darkness versus light. The kingdom of darkness, Satan, is anti-light, anti-God. So anyone who wants to live a God type of life, a godly life, they will face the wrath of the devil. And the devil will instigate the people to persecute us. Do you know that when I became a Christian, I don't come from a non-Christian home. I actually faced persecution, a very mild form. But my parents, who are not Christians, began to really prohibit me to go to church, did not allow me to read the Bible. But actually, it is not serious. I had friends, when they became Christians, the parents packed their bags, threw them out of the house, and they had nowhere to go. And I still remember one believer, one friend of mine, she was sent away from home, and it was only about 10 years ago before her father ever even reconciled back to her. And during the time she was sent away from home, she had to be educated in, by actually uh, some Christians adopted her and literally she was brought up by the church. So people throughout the world face a lot of persecutions when they become believers. We do know of some where their families will not, will totally reject them. Some will lose their jobs. Some will lose their wealth, some will lose their positions. So persecution is a reality because the one that's against us is actually the son of lawlessness, which you will encounter in chapter 2. But when you think of persecution, when is it most serious? It is most serious during great transitions of world history. When God is about to bring a great move, actually persecution increases. A good example would be in the reign of Diocletian. Diocletian was the emperor that reigned just before Constantine. Now, we all know that the first Rome, emperor of Rome that became a Christian is Constantine. But just before he became the emperor, the emperor accepted Christianity as an official religion, Diocletian launched the greatest persecution against Christians, and it was brutal and widespread throughout the whole Roman Empire, greater than Nero, greater than the time of the other Roman emperors. Why is this so? Because of the great change that was about to come in, which is why it is said that the 20th and the 21st century has experienced more martyrdom, more persecution of Christians than all the ages of church history put together. Wow, can that be so? You know, we live in a country where we don't see this a lot, but if you add the statistics, World Vision, uh, sorry, not World Vision, Open Doors, will give you the statistics. And why is it that as we go towards the 21st century, we will face more persecutions? Because I believe as the second coming of Christ comes nearer, the devil in all his fury will really go for believers, will go for the saints of God. You know, if you have been with Pastor Chu in the Revelation series, we all hear about it and it's pretty frightening. And that is why I thought we would spend a little bit of time to understand how then 
should a believer prepare themselves? Or how should we look at the whole subject of persecution? The first is actually not to be, not to say that we will never experience it. We pray that we will never experience it. But when we do experience it, what is it that we must look at? The first is this. We must look at God. God responds to persecution in a very, I would say, frightening way. So let's look at 2 Thessalonians 1, and we're going to continue reading verse 5 to verse 10. Look at this. God would use persecution to show his justice, so that you, the believer, will be worthy of his kingdom for which you are suffering. Verse 6, in his justice, he will pay back those who persecute you, but God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted and also for us when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven. He will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. And when he comes on that day, he will receive glory from his holy people, praise from all who believe, and this includes you. So what will happen to those who persecute Christians. Now, this is it. The early believers who were suffering so much persecution, they had to understand what will happen to them. Is there vengeance? Is there a vindication? Is it worth it going, continuing to believe in the gospel, doing good works? Is it worth doing good works? Is it worth being the light of the world? Is it worth it? Pastor Chiu last week said, vengeance belongs to God. There is a payback day for those who persecute believers. In fact, Persecution of believers proves to, the, to God, or rather justifies God to persecute the wicked. Why is that so? Because when people are doing good and they are being persecuted for it, that is called perfect justice of God will be shown. And look at how God will deal with the, those people who persecute believers. It's called a payback day. I'll pay them back for what they did to you. And look at this. They will be number one. They will be punished with everlasting destruction. Everlasting destruction, verse 9, and they'll be shut out from the presence of God, forever separated from the Lord. In other words, there is no recourse to God's mercy. Now, this is very important. Imagine these people, the Thessalonians. They had to look forward to the vengeance of God because Jesus said, uh, God, uh, the, Paul said in Romans, vengeance is mine. I will repay. You heard in 1 Thessalonians, they were told, do not repay evil for evil. In the midst of evil, you keep on doing good. In the midst of hatred, you keep on loving them. In the midst of, in the midst of people hating you, you still show them love. You still bless them. Wow, that's very difficult to do that. How can they keep on doing that? Because there will be a day when God will vindicate those who are believers and punish those who persecute believers. So this is a very important truth. And that is why the second coming of the Lord is something that believers look forward to, especially believers in the early church, believers who are facing persecution. All persecuted believers throughout church history always look forward to the second coming of the Lord. Because in the second coming of the Lord, as you heard Pastor Chu share in the teaching on the book of Revelations, that is the payback day. And that is why Christians throughout the ages could go through martyrdom, could go through persecution. But the second thing is this. While that may be very far ahead, what do we do? 
when we are living on earth. What did the Christians in Thessalonica do, even as they lived out their faith? So let's look at what Paul wrote to them in verse 11 and 12. Verse 11, So we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of His call. May He give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do, and then the name of the Lord Jesus will be honoured because of the way you live. You will be honoured along with Him, and this is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. So what is the church response to persecution? The first is prayer. Pray, it says in verse 11, keep on praying for the saints. It is so important that when we hear about persecution happening to believers, that we must pray for them. I remember that open doors, they constantly have prayer groups, constantly have prayer meetings throughout the world, urging us to pray for uh, the, those in persecuted church. And I remember one story where a group of Christians in Europe, they were, they were constantly meeting to pray for the Russian Christians that were being persecuted. And there's a story, it's a true story, Open Doors documents it, where this group of believers were praying and one of the late girls who was there began to say, let's join hands and we're going to pray as all night tonight because I sense one of our believing brothers, in, in one of the pastors, the uh, Christian pastors in Russia is going through severe suffering. I just feel that. Let's keep on praying. And they prayed all through the night. The story tells that there was a pastor somewhere in prison for his faith. He, was, he had been severely punished. This was like the third, the third time he was put in prison. And this time, the guards were determined that he would die. So they left him in a prison, uh, in a cell that was in the outdoors in the Russian winter with hardly any clo uh, warm clothing on, with no fire, no heating, and only his shirt on. The pastor was freezing and freezing, and he cried out to the Lord. He prayed out to the Lord. But as he prayed, and as the believers that he didn't know about were praying for him in Europe praying, suddenly in his whole room, there was a warmth. It's as if the whole room had central heating. And he began to feel his body warming up. And the truth was that in the morning when the guards came, they found that the man was still alive. And they were so confounded and they, were, they, they, they just couldn't believe it that they said, oh, we're just going to let him go. Let him go. And do you know, it was only years later when they joined the dots, when Open Doors joined the dots, that they realized at exactly the same time that this group of believers in Europe were praying, that brother received the blessings, of the, or rather the comfort of the Lord, and he was saved from that severe winter. So prayer is very important, even as, you know, even for those of us who go through difficulties, even as you face difficulties in being a Christian, prayer is very important. I remember Pastor Chu, when he was an obstetrician, learning that he was just a junior obstetrician at that time, because he wanted to live out a God, a godly life, his truth, he refused to do abortions. And because he refused to do abortions, his boss was very angry with him and they marginalized him for promotion. But I never forget that Pastor Chu kept his faith. He kept worshipping the Lord. He kept praying. So the second thing apart from prayer is perseverance. Perseverance in believing, keep believing what he believed in. He believed in a sanctity of life. He held on to it and he kept practicing, keep living out that conviction. And do you know, even though that particular uh, doctor didn't promote him, later on, he was still able to practice his faith and yet be promoted. So there's something about our Christian faith that is, people will hate it, 
But as long as we keep believing in the truth and keep living out the truth, God will vindicate us. God will vindicate us. And that's why the Apostle Paul says in 2 Thessalonians in chapter 2, with all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Keep a strong grip on the teaching we pass on to you, both in person and by letter. And may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope, comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing you do and say. I believe that many people will challenge us in the things we believe in. Even in America, people who believe in pro-life, they are being persecuted. People who want to hold on to the truth, even in colleges, in universities, in your place of work, you will face persecution. But you know what? As you keep believing and keep holding on to truth and keep doing good, God will vindicate you. There is a payback day. So brothers and sisters, the, third, the last thing I want to share is this. How do you think or prepare, you know, those of us who live in Malaysia, how do we think or prepare ourselves for persecution? I remember that when I was in Sabah, and even up to now, I'm very afraid of persecution. I had a very good mentor and friend. She lived in Vietnam during the time of the Viet Congs, and they were put in prison because of their faith. And, she, and so I used to say to her, how will we ever be able to take persecution? And she told me this, never worry about persecution. Just live one day at a time. And at that moment, God will be there for you. And I can never forget that because in Sabah during that time, I went through two very great trials. The first was there was a robbery in the middle of the night and I faced evil face to face that night. A man with a parang came in face to face. The second incident was I went through riots when I was dragged, when everybody around me was dragged out of their cars, but I was kept safe. And I can never forget that because in both these incidents, the presence of God came into literally my car and my room. Literally, I had no fear. There was a, so much peace, it just came into my room. Which reminds me that we should not worry about persecution, but we should ask ourselves, is the truth of the gospel worth me holding on to? Will I persevere to hold on to the truth of the gospel, never give up, to have a firm grip, as Apostle Paul says, on the truths of the gospel? And am I going to live it out? As long as we think about that, we live one day at a time, keep doing good, keep practicing what we believe in, that there will be a payback day. God will be with us. I want to end with the words of this song. It's a well-known song. Lord, you are more precious than silver. Lord, you are more costly than gold. Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds. And nothing on earth Ever, nothing ever compares with you. But I love the verse. And who can weigh the value of knowing you? Who can judge the worth of who you are? Who can count the blessing of loving you? Who can sing how great you are? In other words, before we think about persecution, we should think about this. Is Jesus, knowing Jesus, worth it all? Is believing in Jesus and the truth of the gospel worth it all? Is he more valuable? If someone were to offer us all the gold, all the diamonds, everything in the whole world, in exchange for our soul, is he worth it? It's only when we realize that the truth of the gospel 
the value of the Lord Jesus Christ is worth it all, then we will not be afraid of being rejected or being persecuted because we know it is worth it. And so I'm going to end today by inviting Emily to sing this song. And even as she sings this song, and just as she, as she sings this song, I want us to think about it. If we are going to, some of you may actually be facing some form of persecution. Some of you may actually prefer not to take bribes or not to take on certain jobs because it's against our Christian belief. And you, because of that, you're suffering loss. I just want you to think, Jesus, is He worth it? Is He worth it? So even as Emily sings this song, is He worth the value of knowing Him? So even as she sings, just begin to say, God, you are worth it. You are worth it all. Yes, Lord. Lord, you're more precious than silver, more precious than gold, more precious, O Lord God. Because, O Lord God, when we belong to you, we will never be shut out from your presence. When we belong to you, O Lord God, you will always, O Lord God, be with us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. May we hold on to the truth, O Lord God, that yes, Lord, even as we took communion this morning, we are reminded, O Lord God, we no longer belong to the kingdom of darkness, but we belong to the kingdom of light, O Lord God. So, O Lord God, I pray for every brother and sister out there that we will all be able to hold on to our faith, O Lord God, because we belong to the light, O Lord God. We thank you, O Lord God, that you, there will be a day of vindication. So, Father Lord, I want to pray also for those who are going through tough times, those who are rejected by their families, those who are facing persecution even in their place of work, those who are being even rejected by boyfriends or girlfriends because of their faith. Father, may you give them the joy of pressing on with their faith because, Lord, you are worth it all. May you give them even the perseverance and love to continue loving those who hate them. May you give them, O oh Lord God, their eyes to be fixed on Jesus because He is the final vindicator. So Lord, we thank you, Lord God, for this awesome time when you are going to speak to us all. You know, I just sense that many of you, you want a touch from the Lord. Just lift your hands before the Lord and begin to say this, Lord, you are precious. You are precious to me. I want to hold on to my faith. I don't want to give up. I don't ever want to give up my faith, no matter what. Yes, Lord. And now, Lord God, may the God of peace and the God of all comfort comfort us even in whatever season of suffering that we may be going through. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Do you know that if, uh, if any of you have any needs for prayer, please join us on the online chat rooms because we really would like to pray for you. I just sense that some of you, you are facing problems even as a believer and you're in, you know you're tempted to just want to give it up. Don't give up. Just go into the chat room. Someone will pray for you. And you've never, never encountered Jesus Christ and you wonder what it means to be in the kingdom of light and not in the kingdom of darkness. Just again, come into our chat rooms and we will share the good news to you, how to belong to the kingdom of light. So have a good week, brothers and sisters. See you again next week.